Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! So, anyway, all that is to say is I... Oh, damn it. What the hell was that? (sighs) That was our buzzer. Oh. And Ducky's going to lose his shit for a few minutes now. I thought Sarah came into the room and started playing a harmonica. Like, truly, mm. I thought yeah. she was, like, trying to surprise you with something. I was like, it's not your birthday. Is it your, like, it, anniversary? And she no. walks in, and she's got a harmonica, and she's about to be like, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. <laughs> yeah, no, it does kind of sound like you're taking, like, a party blower and going, Yep. <laughs> nope, that's just what our buzzer sounds like. It's pretty loud, and Ducky loses his shit when it goes off. Let's do it. Yeah. So, hi 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 all <laughs> hello everyone what is, is what is in the the jimmy neutron thing hi i'm carl is that what was oh, it yes. you know i'm talking about <laughs> yes it was like the little was, end credits my head went to the cat that goes well hi oh i do love the cat that says well hi <laughs> a little southern accent oh. uh-huh no i was thinking of the the like yeah the three producer yeah, the three-eyed monkey. It was like the the studio tag at the end of the credits. Just go, hi, I'm Carl. Or whatever. Yes. <laughs> wow, that's a that was a deep cut. I know it hit me in certain. Oh my god! Speaking of Jimmy Neutron and deep cuts. Oh boy. Um, no, this was wild. Last night we were watching Grease, and you know the the like I don't know the burger ice cream parlor place they go to. Yeah. Where Beauty School Dropout happens. Oh yes, um, yes. I thought you were talking about in Jimmy Neutron. No, 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 no. Well, it's going to relate. So there's an establishing shot in Greece where they show the exterior of this place. And I've seen Greece plenty of times and it's never hit me until last night. I went, oh my God, that's the candy bar. (laughs) And sure as as shit, go ahead, Google, um, look at an exterior shot of Rossi Bowers and then look at an exterior shot of the candy bar and Jimmy Neutron. Oh my God. (laughs) It's the same thing. It is. They are identical. It's wild. I mean, I'm sure they did that on purpose. Yeah, I mean, it's it's intentional, I'm sure. But it's last night I was watching it. I just went, holy shit, it's the candy bar. For those of you at home, go Google. (laughs) What was it? Damn it, I already forgot. Uh, Frosty Palace. Frosty Palace and the candy bar. bar. And look at those uh, those out side by side. But here we are talking about Boy Meets World. (laughs) Indeed. That's the show that we all know and love. Which doesn't <sighs> rhyme or. I was really hoping you were gonna I know. find a way to ennish that. I, listen, the I show got very little. We sleep all night. know. We all uh, know. Uh, go go go! It's no. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Absolutely no. <laughs> Will Corey go with the flow? Uh, oh. <laughs> oh my. I don't know. Fuck it. Forget it. We're done. Wait. Let's talk about it. Season That's four. Episode. episode. Episode four, Fishing for Verna, is the title of this episode. And my fun Uh fact for the day is that this is the first episode to feature a death of a character. Um, We have one more episode that features a character that really dies. And that's, of course, Sean and Jack's dad when he dies in We'll Have a Good Time Then. But there are other episodes to feature character deaths. And they are, uh, and then there was Sean and then the psychotic episode. But those are just dreams, mm-hmm. which it is interesting to me that they use that because in uh, 
kind of in and then and then they were Sean, but definitely in the psychotic episode. It's used as like a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, death is so I, it's kind of interesting to me that it's also sort of used as a metaphor in this episode as well of like well we'll get to it because I don't want to be like mm, this is what I learned before we even do a recap or anything like uh-huh, that so uh-huh, uh-huh. all right my turn to recap right yes here we go mm-hmm. So everybody's rushing off in the morning. Amy made breakfast. No one's paying attention. They go to school. Corey's really happy with the lunch lady. Uh, Brenda is the best. And then Sean's like, holy shit, my mom. She's across the street from the trailer. And Corey's like, no way. And then uh, Chet and Sean send Corey over to talk to her. And she's like, I can't go back yet. And he's like, okay. And then Corey's grieving over Brenda and learns that you should appreciate people while they are there. Uh, and goes back to the house and eats breakfast with his mom and there's a nice memorial for Brenda and Verna comes back. Time. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was, that was pretty much it. Yeah, that was pretty much it. I mean, the only other thing is the, the Frankie, Herman thing. But yeah, Frankie Herman stuff. What's up with that? I think they just needed to introduce Herman because we get the Thanksgiving scene in a few episodes. I guess, but why couldn't they have just introduced him then? I don't know. I mean, it's I funny. I think it's it funny is. shit. I just love their... We haven't seen Frankie in a while, so... Just their way of, their entire vernacular is just so funny to me. The way that they speak to each other and to other people, especially knowing that their father is Vader, like, that's so funny to me. It is, it is a really good bet. Uh, So what'd you learn? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think the big takeaway here has a lot to do with appreciating what you have you know you like you never it's the the old adage like you don't know what you got till it's gone right yeah um but very much so taking it a step further i think it's enjoying and appreciating the people that you have that are out there that may be putting in more for you than you know mm-hmm. this yeah i think that Corey learns a really interesting lesson about his assumptions about brenda and how he later applies that in this, like making assumptions about other people can blind you to appreciating how much they're there for you. Yeah. Or otherwise. What about you? I mean, the same thing, pretty much. I definitely got the whole, don't know what you got until it's gone. But I think the biggest thing for me, and I think Feeney kind of said it, but he was talking about a more specific situation. I kind of broadened it a little bit, but it's like, not only take time to reflect and appreciate these things on your own, but show these people that you appreciate them and also tell them. Sometimes mm, yeah. showing works and sometimes telling works depends on their love language. But I think that's the biggest thing is you can appreciate it in silence. You can reflect privately or you can be in that moment and kind of think to yourself, wow, I love this person. They're doing so much for me and I really appreciate that. Or you can open your mouth and say it out loud and then not only will you be appreciating it, but they will feel appreciated. And I think we've had this lesson before of showing the people you love your appreciation for them and how important that is. So this feels like another episode to kind of bring that home and show us that it's very important just in life in general. Sure. It's one of those lessons you can never learn enough, you know? Yeah. I think you I think you did a better job articulating it than I did. This idea wow. that it's... Well, no, I mean, I, I'm serious. <laughs> in that the... Uh, how important it is to either show or tell. That's that's the thing I think a lot of people do maybe forget, you know, to, to do. Is that like that person does not know that you appreciate them just because you know you appreciate them. Mm-hmm. 
you need you need to show or tell it in some way um and and i think that i think that Corey did show you know he gets really hard on himself but he shows that he appreciated brenda yeah more than in my opinion the other kids do yeah like i mean and i mean i mean that in the sense of while she's alive not not like his memorial that he goes through with (laughs) later which also is a show but like in that scene where he's cheerfully getting served mashed potatoes like (laughs) he is happily happily praising her kindness and work and clearly has some sort of relationship to this woman you know yeah that, that he appreciates um but again then i think uh, i'm really centrating on the brenda Corey stuff and not on the the sean chet and verna stuff and that yeah chet ha- chet has to learn that he has to tell or show sean he can't just think to himself that he's trying to be a good dad like he has Correct. to show it or tell it in some way too and i mean we've seen chet struggle with communication in the past so again this kind of sheds light onto that it's it's just so interesting to me it took me a while to see how this was all gonna tie back in i was like i know that there's gonna be something that's i'm gonna be like oh yeah light bulb moment it's gonna all tie back in but i'm glad that at the end of the episode then it it wasn't it i don't know it felt like a lesson for kind of everyone except for amy and feeny because they were the you know right Feeney was knew. kind of the one administering <laughs> the lesson and amy already knew but like Sean took something away from this. Chet took something. Verna took something. Corey took something. Topanga took something. Like everyone took something from this mm-hmm. message. Um, and it took me a while to get there. I feel like my brain wasn't quite wrapping around because Verna was kind of saying some stuff at the beginning. And I was like, this really doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. to me. But she's dealing with her own stuff. I get it. She's so dealing I, with a lot of weird energy is what she's dealing with okay yeah. and i'll get into that in a minute we'll, we'll finish yeah. our serious part of the conversation and then i need to i need to pop off a little bit about verna so i am glad because <laughs> i have a lot of mixed feelings about verna so we did have some uh we had some messages from hillary this week and she actually brings up some really good points so let's uh take a listen to those and then we can dive in okay so verna's almost back just across the highway I like the fact that at the beginning you see that Sean, you know, feels like he drove Verna away. And Chet's like, no, you didn't. Um, You're the only reason that she stayed. In a way, taking responsibility for the fact that he's the one that was upsetting Verna and that Verna was trying to stick it out for Sean. And then, you know, just building on the fact that there's the letters that Verna sent Sean every day, um, that Chet never sent any letters and seeing like, exploring how they don't really know each other very well and how that upsets Sean. It's actually kind of an interesting point. It's something I didn't even think about until she just said it. Sean questions at why she left, but she's been writing him letters saying like, it's not your fault. It wasn't your fault. Or like, I didn't leave because it like, she's been writing him letters and yet he still questions why she left. So she actually brings up a really interesting point. Here's the second Mm -hmm. one. Another scene that I liked was, Um, Just kind of showing the times that Chet and Verna maybe did try, we're trying to be a family, when they're looking at family photos, and there's the picture of Sean uh, riding down aisle five on his bike in, or on a bike in Toys R Us, because they can't afford, you know, to buy the bike, but 
They're still trying to get him to learn how to ride a bike and have fun. You know, I think this is just a good episode to show how Sean's family is trying, but they just never quite succeed in being that family unit that he really needs. I would actually kind of like to dig into why the Hunter family can't quite get things right. It's a well, and it's also a very interesting point that she brings up about like that they're trying to be a good family unit. And uh, yeah, I'm interested in why why the Hunter family can't like get it together. And part of me is like, is it because Verna has this just like unsettling like, oh, this isn't actually my son thing going on and then Chet's like trying not to get too close to Sean because if they get too close he becomes too vulnerable and god forbid because you know first of all he holds this huge secret over Sean's head that he knows obviously that Verna's not his mom Mm -hmm. um but then also I think Chet just has a problem with vulnerability it's very interesting to me though and we can this can kind of hopefully segue into the Verna conversation but I'm not sure what Verna is really looking for right now because she said um like she she wants to see chet being a good dad and chet thinks he is being a good dad so there's that again that lack of communication there where chet is like oh i i made sure to leave sean here i put him with a good home or in a good home so that he could stay in school stay with his friends in chet's mind he's being a good dad but Verna doesn't see that side of it. She just sees, oh, he abandoned Sean and came and ran after me. So I'm just going to keep going. So it's it's kind of like, I don't, it's, uh, the lack of communication is the reason. Maybe that is the reason. The reason the Hunter family can't get their shit together. Because there's no communication. And no one, everyone's setting expectations. And Chet's not meeting them. Verna's not meeting them. So, yeah, there's just I mean, they're, they're just like, they're garbage grown-ups. They're- yeah. <laughs> You need to talk to each other. And I don't think the garbage growing up because they're poor or unemployed or anything like that. Like that, you know, poverty is real and, and they're in some sort of a very difficult cycle. And that, that all is true. I'm saying strictly as it pertains to their like relationships with each other, they are garbage grown ups. It's like this, this episode aggravates me in that like Verna's going to sit here and watch them to see if, if what happens happens. And I'm like, well, have like, you got to tell somebody Yep. When you want a thing to happen. All right. No one's a mind reader. No. No one like she's getting upset. Games. Yeah. She's playing a fucking game with these two people's lives. And it pisses me off um, in this episode and in so many ways. And I'm like, Renny, you got to fucking tell. Yep. Chet. Like, like, we don't we don't see before she leaves. So maybe she did. I don't know. But the implication here is really that she's never made it abundantly clear what her metric for success is. No. Uh, and, and just like, is now expecting results without making, like, it's like, a, it's like your teacher handing you an essay and say like, your essay is due Friday, but they don't tell you what it's on or yeah. how many pages it's supposed to be and expect yep. you to, you know, be successful. Like, there needs to be some fucking communication and guidelines to like what her expectation yeah. is. Moreover, Sean is a literal child, yep. yeah. <laughs> you know, and is being manipulated and played in, in so many ways here. That's fucked up. You yeah. know, like these letters bother me. Mm-hmm. They're fucked up. 
They are. It's it's it's, it's very it's a, like emotional blackmail in, in in so many ways. Yep. In that like she's they say she's sorry and that she thinks about me every day. Then like do something. Yep. Fucking do something. You she could have taken Sean with her. Yeah. She could or she could come back divorce chet and get yes. custody of sean if she exactly. really feels that like there were paths to action besides her just running yeah and so these letters piss me off because they they are passive most they, likely they show no real effort to oh absolutely rectify a problem they yeah. they exclusively appear as if they are easing her conscience most likely, I feel the reason that she didn't take Sean is because she doesn't. I don't know if she legally adopted him when he was a baby, but she there's a good chance she doesn't have custody in any capacity sure. because she's not the mom. So there, that's probably the reason that she didn't take him. But I just it's it's exhausting because I feel like the whole Verna is not Sean's mom narrative is just unnecessary in a lot of ways we it's like they're yeah, it's trying really kicking to the shit out of a character when he's down yeah well, <laughs> yeah it's almost like we're just trying to beat sean down into the ground and make him like the most depressed most broken person possible and i'm like i don't think it's necessary we already have all these other things that he's going through and we've seen him go through i don't think that piece of the puzzle is necessary but within the context of that this episode seems to make a little bit more sense. But again, I don't even think the writers knew at this point that they were going to make Verna not his mom anymore. Maybe they did. But if they didn't, then this episode seems a lot worse to me or Verna seems a lot worse. But if they already knew, I mean, again, the custody thing, it makes sense she didn't take him. But yeah, that's I'm of the thing. opinion that that decision was not made yet. Yeah, <laughs> so that makes Verna just so much worse. Yeah. She is. Yeah, she's emotionally manipulating him. It feels like she's trying to like get him on her side mm-hmm. of whatever is going on. And it, this is a, not a sides issue. And yeah, Sean is a kid, so he shouldn't need to choose mommy or daddy. Like that's not yeah, okay in any way. Fucked up. Also, it. how does she get money for like this Verna. hotel? Yeah, they, there's a lot of unanswered questions about Verna. And- yeah. Like where she's been staying and I don't know, you know, there's yeah. there's a lot of a lot of unanswered questions out there. You know what my biggest unanswered question is? What? Who made the fucking choice for these like to encourage the disgusting amount of sexual energy she puts on towards Corey? Oh, my um, God. <laughs> it is gross. It's gross. It Did you not feel like it was gross? It felt I gross don't... to me. I felt like it was gross, but I felt like that's also like, I don't know. She just seems, it's just the way that she is. It's like her drawl and her, you know, personality. Yeah, I hated it. it. I needed her, I like, needed the actor to make a different choice. <laughs> yes. It just feels like unnecessarily sensual. And I'm like. It all, it all know. felt like any minute now, like someone was accidentally going to lose their clothes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just weird. and and Or like I, it had like graduate vibes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> vibes, well, I, you know, like. I appreciated Ben Savage's performance because his did not feel like he was into the come on or like he was playing into it. His felt very much like, oh, this is my best friend's mom. Right. But everything she said felt vaguely seductive. And I didn't like, and then they sat on the bed together and I was like, it's just weird. Just don't do that. The way she kisses his cheek was weird. Everything was weird. Yeah. Even the way she was like, give him a big old kiss on the mouth. I was like, obviously he's not going to do that. Right. 
And then, like, when he come when when Corey comes back in his suit, and she like flirts with him about his clothes, I'm like, this is fucking weird. Stop! Stop! Moms, this is not how you talk to your son's friends. Yeah. Yes. Please. We already got Jason as an example of how to not talk to your friends' moms, and now we've got moms (laughs) do not talk to your son's friends this way. (laughs) Now we know both sides of the party. (laughs) So I I do say one thing that I like that Verna does that I, I don't, I don't like it because it's Verna doing it, but it's something that's kind of a constant on this show is the adults asking the kids what their opinions are and what they think. And she does that to Corey and Corey is able to be honest with her about what he thinks. And because he has this lesson that he just learned from Feeney, he's able to come into this and, and actually pour some wisdom into her. But I, I I don't like it because it's Verna because it feels like an emotionally stunted, like I can't make my own decision. I have to ask a young person. But at the same time, I just appreciate the fact that like, I don't know, we're talking, we're asking young people about their opinions. We're asking, we're showing adults asking kids and them actually caring what they have to say. So I did appreciate that aspect of Verna coming back, but that was, that was the extent of uh, what I appreciated about her. So she can, she can go now. She is unnecessary. I, yeah, I mean, I, I've never enjoyed her. I've never, I don't know. She's not around long, so it's fine. I will say I loved the Amy aspect of this episode, and I almost wish we had split it into two. This is another one that I'm like could have been a two-parter, and had a whole episode focus on like Amy and making Amy feel appreciated, and then like tying in the whole like Averna thing with it in like the mm-hmm. second. I wish we had. Yeah, it just felt. I, see, I'm gonna but... disagree. I, I I disagree in like the idea that it needs more space. I think it's really well done, and that it is like in the space that it needs. But I also just wanted more of Amy in this episode. So I think that's sure. I felt like I was I was cut short from that moment in time and I wanted a little bit more of that. Or like even an additional scene um with Corey and uh Amy sitting at the kitchen table. I don't know. I just wanted a little something mm. extra from that, I think. And now uh, see, I'm I'm a real bitch for how much they accomplished with doing so little. Yeah, that's true. You really like that. I I love when you can accomplish a big statement with like a single, like with with as little dialogue as possible. And I think they do that. I think that like showing us these three mornings of Amy doing her best and how defeated she is by the end of it. And the fact that Corey in the end just comes and sits down, starts eating, looks at her and says, thanks for breakfast, mom. And then keeps going. And like, that's like, I Cause that's, cause it doesn't need, I don't need anything else. Like that tells me everything I need. You know what actually did bother me? And this is additionally contrary, I guess this episode has two endings and that is bothersome to me. That's fair. Because that ending with Amy. That would have been it. it, That's it. That's like, that's like the end of the episode. And I hate saying that because the moment with the like kids coming to Brenda's is, is like, is a sweet and nice thing. But it, it just like the happening back to back. It feel, the episode ends twice. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, with that. Which is which is problematic. It's like I don't know if they could have done the Corey and Amy thing a little earlier, and then given us like an Eric bit or something with a joke, and then given us the the receiving line or I don't know. Like they're in they're neat, having them back to back. It ends twice. So yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it really, I don't know. It kind of ends three times if you want to talk about like. When, when Verna shows up and says, can I come in also feels mm. like an ending. And then, the, and to be fair, there's a lot happening in this episode. Like they, there are three endings cause there are three stories really. Yeah. Um, all, all of which 
play together and interact, but it's really the two beats, the thanks for breakfast, mom, and the, you know, kids coming and dropping a flower on her, on her casket or kind of double, double beat endings back to back that don't, don't play timing wise. Like I, I still like said, Oh, but they, uh, from like a, I don't know, storytelling timing thing. Mm-hmm. It felt. feels clumsy. Yeah. yeah. Clunky. So question for you. I was kind of, I had a lot of thoughts and feelings about Chet talking about his like super secret plan. And he made this kind of promise to Sean saying that the secret plan all along was that he was going to be the best dad that he's ever seen or that mm-hmm. he's ever Like, he's going to be the best dad for Sean that he could possibly ever be. Now, the first part of this question is, do we think that was actually the secret plan all along? And the second part to that is, (laughs) do you think he accomplishes this? No. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he does. I don't think either of those things are true. I think that he's, his secret plan is to get a fucking job and (laughs) to finally, you know, be the grown up and... No, I don't think that that was ever the secret plan to be the best dad ever. And I think it's an empty promise. Oh, 100%. Because, you know, like we get a little more chat for the, for a little while. And then he pushes Sean out to go live with his brother. Because yep. he thinks that's like the right move. Like Chet, Chet does all of Chet's action. So I guess, I don't know. Now that I'm like unpacking this, maybe the answer is yes as Chet believes yes. to be true. That's the thing. I Because I wrote this is like I wrote super secret promise or whatever the fuck. And then I was like, this is debatable because Chet, yeah. honestly, everything that Chet does feels like it's only serving Chet, mm-hmm. but he believes that it's serving other people. He believes mm-hmm. that he was being a good dad when he left Sean McTurner, but mm-hmm. that's, it's because he, that's what he believes. And he's like in this mindset of like, I'm doing the right thing by me but not by Sean. And so when this happens again, when he's like moving with your brother again, it's like he thinks he's doing right by Sean, but maybe that's not necessarily the best thing for Sean. Maybe Sean doesn't want to do that. Maybe he wants to yeah. live with his dad. I think objectively I I stand by no Chet does not become the best dad to Sean. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't suddenly change. Like I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he nothing changes really. Yeah. You know, like he's around more, I guess, but like not for long. And then by the time Chet resurfaces and when they're in college in the, you know, in the episodes where he dies, like Sean is still. He's still mad mad at him and expecting him to leave because like that's what he's done. And like what that says to me is the space between now and then despite whatever we may see on screen is that off screen, he still did his old same shit. And so like, yeah, I think the answer is yes. Chet does believe that he is from here on making choices that are to Sean's benefit. But I think he is just bad at making those choices and consistently holds the wrong viewpoint on that. And uh, so, yeah, it's a complicated question, I guess. I get the answer is, is no from the observer. (laughs) Objectively no. Yeah. (laughs) Right, but like if I'm Chet looking at these things that I do, then maybe I do believe that yes, I am. Well, and it's kind of sad because that I was thinking about that too. I was thinking about Sean like leaning over his dad's deathbed, going like "You messed me up," and I'm uh, like having this really emotional like breakdown like moment. But then I think about 
these episodes where like he finally does it. He gets a job, he goes to school, like he becomes the janitor and like for a while it almost looks like he really is trying and then you know, then he does something in his own it, what feels like his own self-interest masked as this is Sean's best interest. And so, yeah, I think objectively, yes, he thinks he's doing the best he can. But, yeah, I agree. He's Well, and then when he comes back, he fully intends on leaving to go be a blackjack dealer or whatever yeah. before he dies, you know. Yeah. So I don't I don't really think Chet ever changes, if I'm being completely honest. I think Sean changes. Yes. And I think Sean puts more pressure on Chet, and that affects Chet's behavior. But I don't think Chet ever changes. Well, and Sean also gets to a point. I mean, I guess this is also just a fancier way of saying Sean changes, but Sean gets to a point where he's done dealing with his dad's bullshit. Mm -hmm. He's just like, right now, he's like, I want to live with you. I want to have a relationship with you. So he's kind of putting up with some of this stuff so that he can have a smooth and uh, uncomplicated relationship with his father, basically. And then it gets to a point where he, that's not important to him anymore. And it's more important for him to be transparent with Chet which I appreciate because I feel like in the event that your parent has something that they did that you disagree with, every child gets to this point eventually where they kind of grow up a little bit and they try to be a little more transparent with their parents. Cause I feel like when you're a kid that, that unconditional love is, is more of a concept. It's like, Oh, it, you say that you love me unconditionally, but then obviously Chet has shown Sean time and time again that he's only into it for, you know, his own selfish purposes. Um, and then as an adult, he's like, well, I mean, my dad's always going to like be out and around and about like, then he's always going to say that he loves me. So I'm just going to say what I'm going to say because it's better than, you know, pretending and I don't need to pretend anymore. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of yeah. words. I would like to segue to, talk a little bit about Brenda. Uh, it feels Brenda! important. Well, so I want to have a cheery reaction because I enjoy Brenda and I think she's mm-hmm. a great lady. But I also think that there's something about the, you know, historic depiction of minorities in service roles to white people. Sure. You know, and in that it's like, there's, there's like a, a series of photo set images where they take a lot of like really common looking photos and flip it so like uh you've probably seen these there's like a white girl standing in the toy aisle and all the dolls are black and then there's like a uh a bunch of white women on their knees in a nail salon pedicuring a bunch of asian women or there's uh you know like those kinds of images where they flip your like traditional worldview uh so that the, the the white person is the one in the role of the minority and and so yeah you know the fact that brenda is killed off after one scene and in a traditionally low-income serviced role that that doesn't you know it doesn't sit great with me it doesn't surprise me you know like there's there's no surprise to it uh but it we would be remiss not to comment on the the representation that that is and that is you know here you are as the young white person watching this show going to a upper middle class Mm -hmm. school with probably not a lot of black kids you know much like john adams and uh and but there's there's a black woman who serves in the lunch line and 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 she's sweet as could be but that's like your only image for an adult black woman now it's always (laughs) just so interesting to me because when i 
when a lot of people think about the show, obviously a big point of it is Sean and Angela and how this was uh, the, one of the first interracial couples on just TV, really. Yeah, um, but like, like especially a, in especially like a sitcom. Like a, correct. Like a, and especially written for kids, you know? Everyone is kind of, I feel like, almost blinded to the fact that we've spent well, and we'll, Angela will be into, introduced coming up here pretty soon. But actually, she's she's next Not season. Not till five, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say next season. But then everyone is kind of blinded by the fact because she is such a, that's such an important relationship and she's such a substantial and well-rounded and just great character that it, it is easy to brush aside kind of four seasons of no representation because then we open the door to like Angela. So yeah, I think it's definitely. I know. To I need to mention. go. I wish. I want to go ch- try to find the Bra Meets Worlds guys episode for this one. Maybe I'll listen to that. See, see what they say about it. Curious. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, like. Anyway, I, said, I wanted to point that out. Yeah. No, uh, I think it's so and and they they do a nice job of respecting. You know, like oh, they yeah. they obviously make a a big deal about like. I don't know, you know, Feeney makes a big deal about expressing that, like, she loved her work and that yes. she had, a, like, a happy life. Um, and and obviously, it comes down to everyone showing an appreciation for her. But, like, nonetheless, from a representation perspective in film and media, they fall, yeah, <laughs> they fall short. Well, yeah, and like I said, it's just so easy to look past it because of Angela. But I think it's important to definitely make mention of it. Mm-hmm. Who's your MVP? My MVP is Feeney. Interesting. Why is that? Feeney and Corey's little scene in the funeral parlor, mm-hmm. funeral home. I don't know what you call it, I guess. Funeral home, whatever. Yeah. Either uh, or. Parlor probably works. I don't know. Mm-hmm. At the, the, at the candy bar. Um, <laughs> Jeez. I, I think that their scene there is, is really nice. I think the very first time someone in my life died and the very first time I was in a funeral home, mm-hmm. uh, it was my grandfather, so it was a little, little more personal maybe. But I do remember it being like a really strange place to be, mm-hmm. you know, personal relationship aside, just recognizing that like, oh, this is a strange building yeah. for strange points of life. And yep. how the way Feeney respects and navigates the strangeness of that and supports Corey's grieving and and also helps solve Corey's problem who then Corey brings that on and, and solves for everyone else but I think that I think that without Feeney's tactful handling there nothing else gets resolved that's fair what about you my MVP is Corey and my I'm not gonna lie to you I wrote down Corey and Feeney because I was like I'm gonna say the opposite of whoever he says <laughs> But Corey was my first choice because I think there he does get a lot of obviously that guidance and that respect from Feeney. um, But I think he just on some level, he already kind of gets it and he just needs that little push. And then he goes and like he really speaks his own thoughts like no one gave him the words to say when he speaks to Verna. No one whispered in his ear and was like, hey, you should throw a memorial for this person. Like no one really talked him through those things those just like he he came up with them and he was like you know what would be great to be respectful to Brenda let's do this whole memorial thing with the with the trays the lunch trays and oh I'm just getting emotional thinking about it but and then I think he was able to speak to Verna in a way that she understood 
And in a way that she uh, finally, I feel like it kind of bridged the gap in her mind of like, oh, you're kind of being a dick. Just go over and talk to them. Stop pussyfooting around. Go over there, knock on their door and take care of it. And while I do think Feeney definitely played a very, very important role in that and really kind of kickstarted that, I think I love that Corey just is able to do that. So I don't want to say professionally because that sounds strange. So in such a mature fashion for, you know, being, being who he is. And we haven't had really a serious, serious Corey moment in a while. And so it was nice to kind of see Ben Savage's uh, bringing, bringing a little bit of seriousness back to Corey, giving him a little more of a well-rounded. Oh, uh, see, so you know, you know, I don't love when Ben Savage does drama. So. I know. I know. <laughs> it's only, funny. I, there's some no, moments when I don't, this is one yeah. of the moments where I do. I was watching with my friend Logan Mm -hmm. and they're not really very familiar with the show. And they asked me, they're like, is Corey like always like the therapist basically is, is he always the guy that like teaches the lesson in Mm -hmm. some way, I guess. And I was like, no. So there are three kinds of Corey's. There's this one where like he is the therapist or the the lesson giver kind of, as you're saying, Mm -hmm. there's the, the most common is when he's the fuck up. And learning the thing. And then there's my favorite is when he is the inconsequential B plot nonsense. Huh. Um, and those are, those are, you know, far and few between, but those are the, my favorite Corey's mm-hmm. is when he has really nothing to do with the stakes of the episode and is yeah. there for the laughs. Oh, yeah. um, I'm still and, partial. And to these are, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. And these are my least favorite Corey's. So I think, this he this, does well in this one he does better in this one than a lot of his other drama yes episodes and but the funny thing is, still is not I, my fave. I like his drama when he's giving a lesson that has nothing to do with like love or relationships or topanga mm, it's, yeah it's those kind of moments where i'm just like eh. and it might also just be like oh well it's because he's young and he's he's <laughs> love and, and i'm kind of i'm the cynic in that regard but Mm-hmm. At the same time, like it's this moment and in season one, episode eight, when he was talking about um, prejudice and then also when we get to the cult episode where he's trying to talk Sean like out, she's trying to snap him out of this. It's like those kinds of moments where I'm, I like serious Corey. And I think it's just because he's not talking about like, I love to pick Yeah, I, I do and... hate I hate love drama Corey the most yeah. of all. Yeah, it's he's it's, it's sappy and unnecessary. Because thinking about like the Starry Night episode where he like kind of he tries to snap Topanga out of it, I'm just mm-hmm. like that. It feels desperate and like yeah, yeah. It's it's too much for me. But like most yeah. quieter, more serious Corey moments like this, I I appreciate. I I appreciate what I like more about this Corey than than other dramatic Corey is that this one is like very introspective dramatic Corey. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not like explosive emotional oh, dramatic Corey. Oh, it's, yeah. it's it's very introspective, quiet Corey, which is not what we usually get when he's being right. dramatic. Usually when he's being dramatic, it's explosive and uh and in many ways impactful on others with his like big bigness is the only which way to describe it. Yeah. Which is my least which is what I don't like. It's incredibly interesting to me that he and Sean have carried on a friendship for as long as they have as well, because they are both like that. When they, when one thing happens, both of them like fly off the handle and it's like the end of the world. You know, Sean is like the king of storming out of a room with some like, I don't need anybody. And so it's amazing. To me I don't need you. Slams yeah. door, kicks a can. Yeah. 
like it's amazing to me that they've carried on this friendship for as long as they have because they're both so similar in that regard. So it's amazing to me that they haven't like killed each other at this point. Sure. Well, we should yeah. wrap this up. You have anything else? No, I think that's it. I went through all my notes. So all right. yeah. Lovely. All righty. Well, thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, uh, go ahead and check us out online on social media, Instagram, there, Facebook, there. Twitter. Mm-hmm. We're in those places at the Feeny Call Podcast. Fall is upon us. Get out your sweaters. <laughs> Get ready for the sweater weather. Get ready for the spooky season. Spooky um, season is upon us. It's coming. Wear a mask. Stay safe. All those good things. Mm-hmm. And as always, class dismissed. <laughs>